Greatest country on earth in shambles. Bill Gates already mapping out the next pandemic. The medical profession by law prevented from telling patients the truth. How do we survive this? Well, we the people stand up and stop taking it. We win at the ballot box. And we do that by getting the truth out into public ears. TNN, the Truth News Network. And your warrior at the gate is Dan Newman. You know, it's been so long since conservatives have won at the ballot box, even though they did win, they voted, they being conservatives, voted the way that they wanted the government to go. Didn't end up happening that way, did it? <laughs> oh, no, you're one of those conspiracy MAGA nuts. Well, I'm a MAGA guy, but I'm not a conspiracy theorist. We're going to talk about some real, truthful conspiracies this morning. Well, wait a minute. We don't have a special guest today. What are you going to talk about, Dan? We got something coming up at the bottom of this hour that you do not want to miss. I mean, it's one of those things that'll permanently alter your life. How so? It's full of facts about very important things that you and I are living in right now and have been living in for three years. I promise you, it's going to be life-changing. At the bottom of the hour, but between now and then, the next 30 minutes or so, we're just going to have a good Friday morning and get things kicked off, not with something soft and sweet, but a really good song from the 70s. Inside my car, 
pictures, candy, I'm a lovable man I'd like to take you to the nearest star I'm your vehicle, baby I'll take you anywhere you wanna go I'm your vehicle, woman But now I'm sure you know That I love ya, I need ya I want ya, I got to have ya Great God in heaven, you know I love tell you something about what you just heard. Of course, that's the song Vehicle. It was done back in the 70s by a group called Ides of March. The group you just heard doing it, that's not the Ides of March. Those aren't Americans. That's a Russian group that does cover songs of songs like you heard there and even the group Chicago and make them sound exactly like the original. Well, why don't you just play the original? Honestly, the original doesn't have that good a sound. Now, you got your music lesson for Friday morning. What else do we have for you? Well, we've got a bunch of people that are logging in, weren't at the top of the show. And just want to warn you, at the bottom of this first hour, about 9.30, between 9.28 and 9.32, we're going to play something for you that you've heard us talk about here In fact, one of the people that you're going to hear has been on this show live, and it's going to change your life. Wow, that's a big promise, Dan. Well, it's not because it's me. It's because of what you're going to hear and who you're going to hear it from. I suggest, if you've got people that you love that are struggling with anything regarding information, things coming out of D.C., questions, about anything and everything, call them. Tell them how to get on this show live, 9.30 this morning. It is going to be a big deal. Just got a text from a close friend of mine and this show. This guy's brother just found out he has prostate cancer. Now, why would you do that, Dan? You have thousands of people that are listening in. Yeah, you got something you need prayer for. I don't mind. I pray every day. I was at a 6 a.m. prayer meeting this morning. Monday through Friday, I do it. I'll pray for you, anything you need. So I'm going to pray for his brother, and I want you to be remembering him. His name is Mike. If you're a praying person today, Mike had just got, he just got diagnosed with prostate cancer. Golly, man, cancer is a vicious, vicious thing. I don't know of a single family in America that at some point hasn't had somebody in their family get touched with it. It's horrible. We lost, my wife lost a sister to breast cancer. And I mean, it was a long, strenuous, heartbreaking ordeal. It was ugly. Nobody deserves that. I mean, I, I just don't think anybody has done anything wrong that is that wrong that they deserve to die, especially from that horrible type of cancer, suffering for a long, long time. Mike's his name. Father, we pray that you would touch Mike right now. You created that body. You can change it. You can fix it. And I 
pray that you would drive away the fear that certainly is gripping Mike's mind and thoughts and that of his family. Pray that you would heal him. You said in James 5, if we call the elders of the church together and anoint the sick with oil, and you said the prayer of faith would save them. I'm believing. I'm believing there's enough faith in me and the people that are listening in for Mike. Thank you in advance. In your name we pray. Amen. You prayed on a live show that streams around the world? (laughs) Yeah, I did. You know why I did? Because I can do that. I'm not on a network and have network censorship. I can pretty much say and do what I want to say and do on this show. Some of, sometimes my wife might disagree, but sometimes um, it's a really good thing. Nobody's censoring us here at TNN Live. I'm not saying that will never happen. So what we're going to do here is we're going to make hay while the sun shines. And hay this morning is just telling you, giving you information that you need to know about. And there is plenty out there that we need to know about. Did you hear all this craziness going on with the United States and your Iran? Did you hear about that? Oh my gosh, my computer is rebooting in the middle of the show. You know, we rely so much on computers today. I mean, we do every stinking day. I don't know how we ever got by without computers, but then once we got them, You can't live without them, can you? I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to try to replicate uh, the part of the show that was wiped out when this computer rebooted. I mean, when I say wiped out, folks, I mean wiped out. Stuff that I worked on last night and loaded in preparation for this, which is what I do every, every day. I'm looking at the main page in my notes for the show this morning, and I had like 22 entries on it. It just reloaded, and there are two. (laughs) So I lost all but two of the stories. And now some of these, we're going to be able to go back and pick them up because they just stuck in my mind. Some of them may be lost forever. That's a bad thing about computers. You rely on them. And then every once in a while, they get a mind of their own or they get attacked by somebody or some entity. Maybe that's what happened this morning. We'll get into the Iran stuff, uh, the fact that they, they shot a drone down and killed an American and we retaliated and killed a couple of them. It's not in Iran. It's actually in Syria. We'll get into that and a whole lot more. But do you know who Jamal Bowman is? is. You know the name? He's one of the new members of the squad. African-American guy. He's a Democrat from New York. He and AOC run together. That ought to tell you something. Well, yesterday, Mr. Bowman, Jamal, went absolutely postal. And it was over the CEO of TikTok being in front of Congress and explaining to members of Congress how wonderful and safe TikTok is for every American. Jamal Bowen happens to be one of those. 
he claimed in a broadcast on NBC, he claimed that there is no evidence that TikTok poses a national security threat through Chinese espionage on their app, TikTok. But there's a national security concern from misinformation and the spreading of misinformation on social media. So the softies over there that interview people at NBC, Chuck Todd is the leader. He asked Bowman, is there really a national security concern? The economic argument then rings hollow. Does it not? Talking about TikTok. Bowman responded, correct. Yeah, exactly right. So if there's Chinese espionage happening on TikTok, absolutely. That trumps everything else. But the problem is there's been no evidence of that. But there's been hysteria. And Bowman said, my point is, take a step back. Look at the national security concerns of all platforms. Donald Trump used Twitter to nurture the behavior that occurred on January 6th in a violent insurrection. That's a national security concern. Looking the other way and allowing Russia to interfere in the 2016 election, that's a national security concern. I would argue that misinformation and the spreading of misinformation on these platforms are national security concerns. And more importantly, they impact the psychology of the American people in a way that's negative and harmful to us, forcing us to almost be at war with ourselves. This happens on American platforms, not just on TikTok. Now, if I had been on the other end of that conversation instead of Chuck Todd, I would have said, In deference, Mr. Bowman, the Chinese government doesn't own any of them. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, none of them. And Bowman would respond, well, it's not not, uh, uh, the Chinese communist government that owns TikTok. It's a corporation over there, independent. They guarantee us that. Just so you know, if you haven't learned already from listening to this show, there is no such thing as a private corporation in China. The Chinese government has total control over every company that operates in, including, by the way, the segments of many of our big companies, like Google and Apple. Do you know that pretty much all the phones... Those iPhones that you use, pretty much every one of them was built in China. And guess who has control of what happens over there? Well, we pay them. Apple pays them millions of dollars. Yeah, giving them a green light to do whatever they want to do when they're assembling your iPhone. Do you remember about three years ago, the first hint that there was something going on electronically here in the United States, evil with China was a town, actually it's a city in New Jersey. Their police force, they wanted to bring their force into the 21st century and they went and got drones. They bought a fleet of drones. I think it was 30 or 40 of them. Not just the ones you get off the internet. I'm talking about some really good professional drones. That way they could police their city. They could have a couple of people sitting at a desk 
monitoring what goes in the city from up in the air using these drones. But guess what they found out? The drones they bought from an American company had been built in China. And those drones, as they were streaming back to the police headquarters, all that video they were taking, at the same time, it was being sent to China. How much of that has been going on? How much of that is going on today? Now, I want to tell you the reality, firsthand reality of TikTok and how evil it is. Yesterday in the hearings, one of them, there were a couple of hearings regarding TikTok, but the big one, the one where the CEO of TikTok was testifying, there was a bunch of mentions by the Americans as they were asking questions and making their points about what's called the Texas experiment. The Texas experiment. Nobody asked, what's the Texas experiment? Here's what it is. It was put together by Ernst and Young, the big information, um, finance. I'm trying to remember all the things that Ernst and Young has gotten into and major corporation management and infrastructure. American company all the way. They put it together, this experiment, and it was put together to target one thing, finding and keeping TikTok from entering into and finding access online to Ernst & Young's clients. And it is made, that team is made up of five individuals, five individuals, and one of them, We know very, very well he grew up right here. In fact, we had dinner last night with his mom and dad, who's some of our closest friends. And he's been working exclusively on and with TikTok for several years. In fact, he is so effective at finding and stopping TikTok entries into Ernst & Young's online database across the nation and around the world TikTok has tried to hire him two or three times. It's real, folks. TikTok is an American adversary that is owned and operated by a bigger adversary than TikTok. That's the Chinese Communist Party. Now, I get messages. Some of them come from you every day. I get dozens every day that are TikTok videos or a story from TikTok. I never open them, and I'm not going to. I suggest, and I appreciate you wanting to get us information here at Truth News Network. Don't send it on TikTok. And by the way, I urge you, don't download the TikTok app. I'm praying that it's outlawed across the nation. That would sound like Russia, Dan. That's what Vladimir Putin does. Let me tell you how we know it here. For four years, we had a group of 600 Russian students at the University of Moscow that tuned in to TikTok, uh, excuse me, tuned in to TNN Live and read our stories because it was mandated by the Department of International Politics, the director of that department at the University of Moscow. They picked, he picked, one conservative entity that represents best the conservative perspective of the United States of American people. 
I don't know how or why, but he picked us. He chose us. And he picked a leftist, liberal U.S. entity for them to follow. And they had tests every Friday. Do you know, and we monitor it because we get emails from them, and it's easy to see because those emails that are sent to us come with, instead of .com, they come with either .yandex, Y-A-N-D-E-X, or they come with .ru. On the same day that Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, he shut the internet down at the borders of Russia, and in one failed swoop, bam, every one of those Russian emails, those students went away. Can't access what we're doing here. Maybe that's a good thing. I promise you, the United States government needs to do away with TikTok. Totally do away with TikTok. Well, while we were talking there, I was hoping some of our notes would come back, and they didn't. They're in the Nether Netherlands. Now, let me tell you what's in the offing here. You don't know this. We operate our show with an Apple iMac, very big boss Apple iMac computer and a bunch of computer and broadcast technology in our studio. We have what's called a Apple Mac Studio is the name of it. It is a dynamite computer. And it's loaded, it's built, and it's it's coming to us in the next few days. And we're going to transition the show from this iMac that is the one that does the blink stuff. It did it this morning, and it did it right as we went live on the air, and all of a sudden, bam, those stories all disappeared. We're going to be replacing that. I was hoping it would come in today or tomorrow, and that we could, over the weekend, make the transition from one to the other. But you will not be able to tell it other than you won't hear me segueing, trying to kill time as we're looking for those stories online that we were going to and will cover you in most of those things. But there's plenty of news to go around. And all of it's not bad. Sometimes we hear some good stuff out there, and we always pass that along as well. One of the things you need to know, very quietly now, yesterday this happened, a federal appeals court halted Biden's egregious COVID-19 vaccine mandate for every federal worker in the nation. Why didn't you hear about this? It happened yesterday. You should have heard about it in the news last night. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, that's down south in New Orleans. They ruled in a hearing to keep a preliminary injunction on the COVID vaccine mandate in place in the middle of the ongoing litigation over the matter. And they did it on bonk. That's E-N, new word, B-A-N-C. It's a legal term that means the case is heard by the entire bench of a court rather than just by a panel of judges that are picked from the bench. The latest move by the full appeals court of 16 full-time judges reverses a previous ruling that was made by a smaller panel of judges from the exact same appeals court. That three-judge panel ruled back in April to uh, April last year to uphold the COVID vaccine mandate for federal workers. Biden started this all in September of 2021. He used this pen. He learned how to do that from his former boss, Barack Obama. And Joe issued an executive order that requires federal workers to get the jab. Otherwise, they would face disciplinary actions, which might include being fired. 
The order permitted exceptions for religious and medical reasons, and we know those exceptions were hardly ever accepted. Feds for Medical Freedom, that's a group of about 6,000 federal workers, they sued the Biden administration against the order, saying it exceeded the president's authority. So, a U.S. district judge named Jeffrey Bound, who, by the way, is a Trump appointee, back in January last year, ordered a preliminary injunction on the vaccine mandate. At that time, the Biden folks said nearly 98% of covered employees had already been vaccinated against COVID. The case then moved to this same court in New Orleans, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. The majority ruling by a three-judge panel in April last year overturned Brown's decision and determined the plaintiffs should have taken their complaints some other place. Specifically, Judge Carl Stewart, a Clinton appointee, wrote in the majority decision that the Civil Service Reform Act of 1978 precludes district court adjudication of federal statutory and constitutional claims. Now, that last sentence, that tells you why the Fifth Circuit in Bonk overturned this. It precludes district court adjudication of federal statutory and constitutional claims. This was not a federal statute. That would mean it came through the United States Congress and it came through the Oval Office and Joe Biden put his signature on it and made it an executive order, which is not statutory nor constitutional. So anyway, that's some good news out there, I would say. We talked to you about Jamal Bowen just a little bit ago. What else is happening? Russia, uh, he's out there. Putin's out there now. He's using the nuclear threat again. He's threatening to nuke, Putin is, everyone over International Criminal Court arrest warrant (laughs) that came out two days ago. Kremlin loudmouth Dmitry Medvedev, former president, has made clear that anybody who tries to arrest their president can expect to feel the wrath of nuclear Russia, including, quote, all our weapons. The announcement of the International Criminal Court this week that they had issued an arrest warrant for Putin has clearly riled up the nation of Russia. After threatening to bomb the ICC, the International Court itself, failed to produce whatever the hoped-for response was, former Russian president-turned-National Security Council warmonger Dmitry Medvedev has moved on to threatening to bomb any country that would fulfill its treaty obligations to serve that warrant. (laughs) I can see at the ICC, and it's headquartered in Europe, I can see a little guy in the back of the room saying, go, ooh, ooh, Call on me, call on me. I'll take the warrant to him in Moscow. (laughs) Bam, you're done. So following remarks by the German government that if Vlad happened to visit their country, they would be obliged to arrest him. Medvedev railed during a press event. He said, let's imagine that it has happened. The incumbent head of a nuclear country arrives in, oh, say Germany, and is arrested. What does it mean? A declaration of war against Russia. In such a case, 
All our weapons will target the Bundestag. That's the German Chancellor's office. And so on. He went on to clarify that arresting Vladimir Putin would be a casus belli, which is a declaration of war against Russia. (sighs) Well, well, well. Don't you just feel safe? (laughs) We have Joe Biden as our president, and he's not going to let anybody over there shoot no nukes at us. I mean, if we see one coming our way, he's going to show them he's going to send four nukes their way. Ha ha. How would you like that? As we watch the earth dissolve in a nuclear storm. It's not funny. Got to make light of it. But anyway, if you don't joined us late this morning, I promised you that at about nine 30 this morning, we were going to play something for you that would just blow your mind. It's life-changing. And it has to do with COVID-19. That's all I'm going to tell you right now. But get set. It's about a 25, 26-minute soundbite. So get set. you got to listen to the whole thing from front to back. That's up next. Hey, it's Garrett. The Poland Spring brand wants to provide more than 100% natural spring water, and they want to make a difference. That's why they're rescuing millions of pounds of plastic and transforming them into new bottles that are 100% recycled. You can join them by pledging to recycle your bottle, and for each pledge, Poland Spring will donate safe, clean drinking water to local communities in need. Go to PolandSpring.com forward slash pledge to find out more. Select sizes only 20 up, 700 milliliter, 1 liter, and 1.5 liter size bottles. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Holidays abroad. Can we? Can't we? But then we thought, should we? Staycation! We could share a year. Please, no. Luckily, we've picked British Airways holidays. Small deposit and can change if we need to. Decision made. Moonlight skinny dipping. (laughs) We've booked St. Lucia. Two weeks. Did you? Why didn't we? Ah, clever you. British Airways holidays. At all protected. The BK $5 Your Way Meal is here to make your choice easy and so tasty. Go straight to the Double Whopper Junior with piping hot small fries, four-piece crispy nuggets, and a refreshing small drink. Can you believe you get all this for only five bucks? The $5 Your Way Meal, only at Burger King. Okay, those of you that were around at the very beginning of TNN Live back in 2020, you may remember Dr. Judy Mikovits. Dr. Mikovits, I'm going to give you a little history about it, and you'll hear more in just a few minutes. But she was on the wrong side of Dr. Anthony Fauci. She, by the way, is an immunologist herself. She is one of the best scientists regarding medical bacteriological, all those kind of things. And she was working side by side back in the 90s with Fauci when all of the investigation, the lab research was being done regarding HIV AIDS. And she came up 
with a way to, I don't know if eliminate HIV AIDS is appropriate to say or is even factual. I don't know that. But she was in the middle of it and got crossways with Fauci. And basically, he just got on a path to destroy her life. Five-year gag order, had to cut a deal. She couldn't do social media. She couldn't talk on the phone with anybody, couldn't mention any of it. And if she did, they arrested her, never charged her, took her out in the middle of somewhere, locked her up in a prison, stormed their home in the middle of the nights. One of those typical FBI squad raids, but this one was different. None of the people that stormed her house had identification on. You know, they didn't have on the back that it was ICE or if it was a SWAT team, you know, they wear the jackets all in black and they have either in white or yellow all over them, FBI or SWAT. None of that. It was some of those dark people that we hear about and you see movies about. They're real. And they kept her locked up for about a week, negotiated a deal with her. And the big one was she couldn't talk to anybody about anything to do with HIV AIDS and all the research that had been done principally by her on COVID-19. That's kind of interesting in itself. And so the first place she went after the day that her gag order expired was to that little podcast over in Louisiana. We had a mutual friend from down in New Orleans And Dr. Mikovits came on the show. Over two hours, she talked to our people live. What we did when we were making that trek a few weeks ago to Israel, we missed a day live of TNN Live because of the travel schedule. And on that show, we replayed that two-hour interview with Dr. Judy Mikovits from June of 1920, excuse me, 2020, June of 2020. And we got more input, more comments about that interview than any other that we have done. So I thought about it. There is a short documentary that was put out a couple of years later, actually about a year, year and a half ago, about what Dr. Mikovits went through. And it's about 25 minutes long. It's even got a title, Plan Demic, plandemic. You're going to hear Dr. Mikovits unfettered in a studio tell her entire story. And in addition to what she had to say in that interview that she did with us back in 2020, she adds a lot of new things that have happened since that gag order expired, and she got to go forward telling the truth. If you've got a recorder, You need to start it. I'm going to count it down, and I want you to listen to Plandemic. Five, four, three, two, one. Dr. Judy Mikovits has been called one of the most accomplished scientists of her generation. Her 1991 doctoral thesis revolutionized the treatment of HIV-AIDS. At the height of her career, Dr. Mikovits published a blockbuster article in the journal Science. The controversial article sent shockwaves through the scientific community as it revealed that the common use of animal and human fetal tissues were unleashing devastating plagues of chronic diseases. For exposing their deadly secrets, the minions of Big Pharma waged war on Dr. Mikovits, destroying her good name, career, and personal life. 
Now, as the fate of nations hang in the balance, Dr. Mikovits is naming names of those behind the plague of corruption that places all human life in danger. So you made a discovery that conflicted with the agreed-upon narrative. <laughs> Correct. And for that, they did everything in their powers to destroy your life. Correct. You were arrested. Correct. And then you were put under a gag order. Um, for, for five years, if I went on social media, if I said anything at all, they would find new evidence and, um, and put me back in jail. And it was one of the few times I cried. And it was because I knew there was no evidence the first time. And they, when you can unleash that kind of force to force someone into bankruptcy with a perfect credit score. And so that I couldn't bring my 97 witnesses, which included the heads, Tony Fauci, you know, Ian Lipkin, the heads of the public health in HHS, who would have had to testify that we did absolutely nothing wrong. And so what did they charge you with? Nothing. But you were in jail. I was held in jail with no charges. I was called a fugitive from justice. No warrant. Literally drug me out of the house. Our neighbors are looking at what's going on here. You know, they search my house without a warrant. They literally terrorized my husband for five days. They said, if you don't find the notebooks, if you don't find the material, which was not in my possession, but planted in my house. As if you took intellectual property from the laboratory. Is yes. that correct? It was, it was intended to appear as if I took confidential material names and intellectual property from the laboratory. And I could prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that I didn't. Heads of our entire HHS colluded and destroyed my reputation, and the Department of Justice and the FBI sat on it and kept that case under seal, which means you can't say there's a case or your lawyers are held in contempt of court. So you can't even get a lawyer to defend you. So every single due process right was taken away from me and to this day remains the same. I have no constitutional freedoms or rights. Yet you sit here. <laughs> I think a lot of people would probably have just taken the retirement out early, <laughs> laid low, but you have decided to come forth when your gag order has been released to write a book called Plague of Corruption, Restoring Faith in the Promise of Science, and you are naming names. Absolutely. Apparently, their attempt to silence you has failed. And I, I have to ask, how do you sit here with confidence to call out these great forces and not fear for your life as you leave this building? Because if we don't stop this now, we can not only forget our republic and our freedom, but we can forget humanity because we'll be killed by this agenda. So Anthony Fauci. My name is uh, Dr. Tony Fauci. I'm the director of the... The man who is heading the pandemic task force was involved in a cover-up. He directed the cover-up. And in fact, everybody else was paid off and paid off big time. Millions of dollars in funding from Tony Fauci, Tony Fauci's organization, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease. These investigators that committed the fraud continue to this day to be paid big time by the NIAID. And the whole world is listening to his advice for how to handle this current pandemic. How do we know that what he's saying is what we need to be learning? 
what he's saying is absolute uh, propaganda and, and the same kind of propaganda that he's perpetrated to kill millions since 1984. We know from this study quite clearly that there will be a delay in progression significantly greater than for individuals who do not take the drug. It started really when I was 25 years old. I was part of the team that isolated HIV from the saliva and blood of the patients from France, where Luc Montagnier had originally isolated the virus. This was a confirmatory study, but Tony Fauci and Robert Gallo were working together then to spin the story in a different way. At that time, Dr. Rossetti was out of town, and Tony Fauci says, um, you know, we understand that you have a paper in press, and we want a copy of it. And I said, yes, there's a paper in press, and it's confidential, and no, I will not give you a copy of it. <laughs> he started screaming at me, then he said, give us the paper right now. Or, or you'll be fired for insubordination. And I just said, I'm sure when Dr. Rossetti gets back, you can have the conversation. And so Frank comes back, you know, several weeks later, and is really bullied into giving Fauci the paper. Fauci holds up the publication of the paper for several months while Robert Gallo writes his own paper and takes all the credit. And of course, patents are involved. This delay of the confirmation, you know, literally led to spreading the virus around, um, you know, killing millions. Perhaps no one expressed the anguish of AIDS better than New York writer Larry Kramer. But he was even more angry at the federal government and the pharmaceutical industry. One person who felt Kramer's fury was NIH doctor Anthony Fauci. He called Tony Fauci the Bernie Madoff of science. It's still been crushing to me to think that I didn't know my work in 1999 was something that had been avoided. From 83 and 82, when the virus was isolated, the virus didn't have to wait until 84 to be confirmed. Think of how many people, the entire continent of Africa, you know, lost a generation as that virus was spread through because of the arrogance of a group of people, and it includes Robert Redfield, who's now the head of the CDC right along with Tony Fauci. They were working together to take credit and make money, and they had the patents on it, and tailored them to IL-2 therapy, which was absolutely the wrong therapy. And had that not happened, millions wouldn't have died um, from HIV. How can a man who's giving, any, any person who's giving global advice for health own a patent in the solution in the vaccine. Isn't that a conflict of interest or shouldn't it be? It is a conflict of interest. And in fact, this is one of the things that I, I've been saying and would like to say to President Trump, repeal the Bayh-Dole Act. Bayh-Dole fundamentally changed the way universities approach technology transfer. Uh, and you can see that best in the statistics. Universities obtain 16 times as many patents today as they did in 1980. Now, everybody's getting more patents, but still, universities' share of all patents in the United States is more than five times greater than it was before Bayh-Dole. The situation has gotten so bad uh, that one 
uh, information technology industry official has publicly referred to universities as, quote, crack addicts, unquote, driven by, quote, small-minded tech transfer offices addicted to patent royalties. That act gave government workers the right to patent their discoveries. So to, to claim intellectual property for discoveries that the taxpayer paid for. Ever since that happened in the early 80s, it destroyed science. And this allowed the development of those conflicts of interest. And this is the crime behind letting somebody like Bill Gates with billions of dollars. Nobody elected him. He has no medical background. He has no expertise. But we let people like that have a voice in this country while we destroy the lives of millions of people. Normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated the entire global population. If we activate mandatory vaccines globally, I imagine these people stand to make hundreds of billions of dollars that own the vaccines. And they'll kill millions, as they already have with their vaccines. There is no vaccine currently on the schedule for any RNA virus that works. So I have to ask you, are you anti-vaccine? Oh, absolutely not. I'm, in fact, vaccine is immune therapy, uh, just like interferon alpha is immune therapy. So I'm not anti-vaccine. My job is to develop immune therapies. That's what vaccines are. Do you believe that this virus was created in a laboratory? I wouldn't use the word created, but you can't say naturally occurring if it was by way of the laboratory. So it's very clear this virus was manipulated, These, this family of viruses was manipulated and studied in a laboratory where the animals were taken into the laboratory, and this is what was released, whether deliberate or not. That cannot be naturally occurring. Somebody didn't go to a market, get a bat, the virus didn't jump directly to humans. That's not how it works. That's accelerated viral evolution. If it was a natural occurrence, it would take it up to 800 years to occur. This occurred from SARS-1 within a decade. That's not, that's not naturally occurring. And do you have any ideas of where this occurred? Oh, yeah. I'm sure it occurred between the North Carolina laboratories, Fort Detrick, U.S. Army Research Institute of Infectious Disease, and the Wuhan Laboratory. $3.7 million flowed from the National Institutes of Health here in the U.S. to the Wuhan lab in China, the same lab where many people have said that this coronavirus infection first originated. We also now know that NIAID, the department associated with the National Institutes of Health, of which Dr. Anthony Fauci is in control, had already been conducting experiments with the Wuhan lab in the past in regard to coronavirus. If Dr. Anthony Fauci cannot be honest with the public about his connection to this lab, then Fauci has to go. In 1999, I was working in Fort Detrick in USAMRID there, and my job was to teach Ebola how to infect human cells without killing them. Ebola couldn't infect human cells until we took it in the laboratories and talked to him. It's hard to ignore the death tolls. People have been dying. They are dying from this in, in quite alarming numbers. How do you reconcile that? Uh, um, it, it's 
pretty easy when you see, um, for me, when you see what the government has done, and that is that they took quoting Dr. Burks. We've taken a, a very, very liberal, liberal approach. approach to mortality. If my husband were to die, who has COPD, his lungs have fibrosis, his lungs would look exactly like somebody with COVID-19, theoretically, but he has no evidence of infection. So if you're not testing and you don't have evidence of infection, and if you walked in there today, you know, they'd call it COVID-19. And, and we hear this from the doctors and nurses who are upset. I've seen so many doctors online that have made their own webcam videos just perplexed by the protocol that the CDC had given them. Well, last Friday, I received a seven-page document that sort of told me that if I had an 86-year-old patient that had pneumonia but was never tested for COVID-19, but sometime after she came down with pneumonia, we learned that she had been exposed to her son who had no symptoms, but later on was identified with COVID-19, that it would be appropriate to diagnose on the death certificate COVID-19. When I'm writing up my death report, I'm being pressured to add COVID. Why is that? Why are we being pressured to add COVID to maybe increase the numbers and make it look a little bit worse than it is? I think so. Why would they want to skew the number of deaths due to COVID-19? Well, fear is a great way to control people. And sometimes people's ability to think for themselves is paralyzed if they're frightened enough. And that's not where I want people to be. I want people to say, we're going to get through this. I'm going to use my head. I'm going to go to different sources. I'm going to listen to different sources. And I'm going to think for myself because that's what America is about. If someone dies with COVID-19, we are counting that as a COVID-19 death. You don't die with an infection. You die from an infection. I've talked with doctors who have admitted that they are being incentivized to list patients that are sick or have died with COVID-19. Yeah, $13,000 for Medicare, if you call it COVID-19. Right now, Medicare has determined that if you have a COVID-19 admission to the hospital, you'll get paid $13,000. If that COVID-19 patient goes on a ventilator, you get $39,000, three times as much. And you've killed them with the ventilator because you gave them the wrong treatment. All the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. And I fear that this misguided treatment will lead to a tremendous amount of harm to a great number of people in a very short time. My next question is about Italy. I want to know why Italy was hit so hard. Italy has a, a very old population. Um, they're very sick with inflammatory disorders. They got, at the beginning of 2019, an untested new form of influenza vaccine that had four different strains of influenza, including the highly pathogenic H1N1. That vaccine was grown in a cell line, a dog cell line. Dogs have lots of coronaviruses, and that's why they're not testing there. You could just say, oh, it was that. As the country begins emerging from the worst of the coronavirus epidemic, one question remains. What happened to all the hydroxychloroquine? We know that hydrochloroquine and zinc are working 
great for patients. And then Fauci comes out and says, well, there's no double-blind controlled placebo study, which, by the way, Dr. Fauci, is there going to be a double-blind controlled placebo study of your vaccine? Is there? In a survey polling nearly 2,300 doctors in some 30 countries, hydroxychloroquine was ranked as the most effective medication to treat the virus. The AMA was saying, you know, doctors will lose their license if they use hydroxychloroquine, the anti-malarial drug that's been on the list of essential medicine worldwide for 70 years. Dr. Fauci calls that anecdotal data. It's not storytelling if we have thousands of pages of data saying it's effective against these families of viruses. For 50 cents a dose, we could protect 1,000 people for seven days, two doses a day, with one $600 vial. And that hasn't been done. This is essential medicine, and they keep it from the people. Not only now, but back in autism with our discovery, there was an old antiviral drug, 100-year-old drug called Suramin, on the WHO list of essential medicine. It literally gave kids with autism a voice, a life. What did Bayer and Monsanto do? They took it away from everybody. You couldn't get it to save your life right now, and we tried. Believe me, every way we could. So when you take away a medicine, um, it, and, and not just the, the not just the WHO, not just the WHO, the FDA, the CDC, Tony Fauci, close everything, just end it all, and we've got a healthy world again, and we got tons of money because we can take all that money they're making on their patents, and we can give it to the victims of this plague of corruption. Is it safe to say that anything that cannot be patented has been shut down intentionally because there's no way to profit from it? All these natural remedies that we have had for. Ever. Absolutely, that's fair to say, and that's exactly what's going on in COVID-19. The game is to prevent the therapies till everyone is infected and push the vaccines, knowing that the flu vaccines increase the odds by 36% of getting COVID-19. Where does that data come from? A publication last year where the military who had been vaccinated with influenza were more susceptible to coronaviruses. Coronaviruses are in every animal. So if you've ever had a flu vaccine, you were injected with coronaviruses. And then to put on a mask. This doesn't make any sense. We wear masks in an acute setting to protect us. We're not wearing masks. Why is that? Because we understand microbiology, we understand immunology, and we want strong immune systems. Our immune system is used to touching. We share bacteria, staphylococcal, streptococcal bacteria, viruses. We develop an immune response daily to this stuff. When you take that away from me, my immune system drops. As I shelter in place, my immune system drops. You keep me there for months, it drops more. And now I'm at home hand-washing vigorously, washing the counters worried about things that are indeed what I need to survive. You're not, you're not immunodeficient and you're not uh, elderly. You should be able to go out without any gloves and without a mask. I think if you are those things, you should either shelter in place or wear a mask and gloves. I don't think everybody needs to wear a mask and gloves because it reduces your bacterial flora. It doesn't allow you to interact with society and your bacteria flora and your viruses, your friends that protect you from other diseases, 
end up going away, and now you're more likely to get opportunistic infections, infections that are hoping you don't have your good bugs fighting for you, if that makes sense. And then as we all come out of shelter in place with a lower immune system and start trading viruses and bacteria, what do you think is going to happen? Disease is going to spike. I guarantee when we reopen, there's going to be a huge, huge amount of illness that's going to be rampant. The building blocks of your immune system is virus and bacteria. End of story. Wearing the mask literally activates your own virus. You're getting sick from your own reactivated coronavirus expressions. And if it happens to be SARS-CoV-2, then you've got a big problem. You're, you're not the first virologist who has told me that we're doing the exact opposite of what we should be doing to contain and to create immunity from this virus. Why would you close the beach? You've got sequences in the soil, in the sand. You've got healing microbes in the ocean, in the salt water. That's insanity. These institutions that are polluting our environment and our bodies, there was a time when they actually had to fight their own battles. But they've done such a great job at manipulating the masses that it's other people shutting down other citizens. And the big tech platforms follow suit and they shut everything down. There is no dissenting voices allowed anymore in this free country, which is something I never thought I would live to see. Uh, nor would I accept what I've experienced since 2011. It's beyond comprehension how a society can be so fooled that the types of propaganda continue to where they're just driving us to hate each other. You want to go to work yes. and get this disease? Uh, I think the medical profession know what they're they've talking about. They've been wrong so far, ma'am. They've been wrong. Hopefully this is the wake-up call of all America to realize this makes no sense and, and we win because it will take down the whole program with information like this. And, and for me, it's the great news that the doctors are waking up and saying, wait a minute. You, you doctors that are watching this, and I see a lot of you right here, why are you not getting loud? I'm here to defend you. I'm here to defend my freedoms. I'm here to defend my family's freedoms, my patients' rights to choose what to do with their life. I'm just blown away, and I'm blown away why there are not more doctors like me talking about this all over the place. We should be banding together right now. You need to wake up because your liberties are getting taken away from you all because of fake news that's out there. This is wrong. People should be going to jail for this stuff. So it's not the scientists who are in any way dishonest. They're listening to people who for more than 40 years have controlled who gets funded, what gets published. And I'm sorry to say many, many people will simply take the money and the fame and that support, things that absolutely aren't true. What do you say to the medical professionals that are just beginning to get a glimpse of the depth to which they have been misled and steered away from their oath to do no harm. I say forgive yourselves. It, it's the hardest thing to realize for all of us and is, is that with all the best intention, we studied, we learned what we thought was the truth. We had no idea that, that the, the data that we were being told was true was 
not true. We've been taught now in our, in our schools a very different science. You don't get funded if you don't speak the party line. You don't get published. That was probably the hardest thing for me to take, is understanding that scientific journals would, would twist the discovery that should have healed all. Will the scientific community have the courage to answer the question of whether these diseases might have been of their own creation? Thank you. So what we did pretty much ever since I got out of jail, we started an education company. We wake up doctors, and it's very difficult. But every doctor who realized they may have been part of the problem has now turned that around to march toward a better society and restore faith in the promise of medicine. That's all we can do. Well, Dr. Mikovits, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real honor to sit here with you and, and particularly thank you for your courage. Thank you, Mickey. I appreciate it a lot. The idea that we are now a few days away from a new administration, given, as you heard from the introduction, that I have been around for a while and have had the opportunity of serving in five administrations, I thought I would bring that perspective to the topic today is the issue of pandemic uh, preparedness. And if there's one message that I want to leave with you today is that there is no question that there will be a surprise outbreak. The thing we're extraordinarily confident about is that we are going to see this in the next few years. Thank you. I can think of many things to say in response to Tony Fauci, and none of them are nice. Here's the thing we need to sit back and reflect about. We now know that all, well, if not all, almost everything we were told by Dr. Anthony Fauci upstream, all the way down through the medical professionals in hospitals and clinics and doctor's offices had been conditioned for the last 40 years. You listen to everything that comes out of the FDA and the CDC, because if you don't, you're going to make decisions that are going to kill you and your loved ones and the patients that you're serving. We were conditioned by medical bureaucrats for 40 years to accept anything and everything that we were told. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever wondered how many FDA-approved drugs have been taken off the market for various reasons through the years? I'm not going to give you a number. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Do a little homework. You do a Google search. Or if you use DuckDuckGo, do a search there. And do just that. Question, how many FDA-approved drugs have been taken off the market because they hurt people? Just do that. It will blow your mind how many have been. What do we say here at Truth News Network all the time? Just because you think something's right doesn't mean that it's right. And the opposite is true too. Just because you think something is wrong doesn't mean that it's wrong. 
One thing we do here every day is we challenge you. We challenge you. We tell you, look, listen to what we say here. Read what is published at truthnewsnet.org. But don't make that be your end all. That's just the beginning. Take what you hear, take what you read, and find out for yourself the facts. Dr. Judy Mikovits, she told us in 2020 all of this was going to happen, and it was all planned and implemented by Fauci. Talk to Dan. Call 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, responsible for. Give them facts. Challenge them intellectually, but give them facts instead of giving them some doldrum kind of thing that may or may not be true. Don't give them anything that you're not confident is factual. And if you're going to talk about those things that you know may not be true or you're not certain of, tell the people that when you inform them and then challenge them to go confirm or deny what they're hearing when you're talking to them. Listen, there's absolutely nothing wrong with not knowing everything. Not knowing everything about anything doesn't mean you're stupid. What means you're stupid is if you don't know about them, you don't know the facts, And you just act like you do and just move forward. You don't take the time or put in the work or the effort to find out if it's true or not. 
in the case of Dr. Anthony Fauci, he told us dozens and dozens and dozens of things that were not right, were wrong. And as you heard Dr. Judy Mikovits saying that, much of what he said and did was premeditated. In June of 2020, on this show, the first place she came after that gag order, that five-year gag order expired, she told us then, everything that Dr. Fauci was going to do in the pandemic, or as she termed it, the plandemic, and every one of those things came true. How would she know that? It was part of a process that had been operating, not to the level that COVID-19 did, but it was almost like they were practicing with the previous medical emergencies that we had. Makes me wonder about the vaccines we give all our kids. Oh, by the way, those are mandatory to get in school. Almost every public school in the nation requires just a battery of vaccinations for our children to have. Now, Dr. Mikovic, she did not, she was very vocal. She said, I don't put down vaccinations. They're a part of the process. But not everything that we're told when it comes to vaccines necessary, you got to have. Not all of those should be just jabbed in everybody. But that's a conversation for another day, and we're not going to go there. I want to get into one of the things, a big thing that is happening and has been happening. Iran, their proxy forces, launched about seven rockets targeting one of our U.S. bases in northeast Syria. Happened earlier today in retaliation to what we did. In first assessments, there are no U.S. casualties there, no damage to the base near the Al-Omar oil field. It was a rocket attack that came after Biden ordered a series of retaliatory strikes after a suspected Iranian-made drone killed a U.S. contractor and wounded six other Americans yesterday. Lloyd Austin, U.S. Defense Secretary, said in a statement that the American intelligence community had determined the drone was an Iranian drone, but offered no other immediate evidence to support that claim. The drone hit a coalition base in the northeast Syrian city of Hasaka. The wounded included five American service members and another U.S. contractor. Listen, this kind of stuff, especially now, really bothers me. Why is that? Because of the leadership we have. You do understand, when we were having our previous ongoing problems in the Middle East, who was in charge? None of that happened in the four years under Donald Trump. You think that's accidental? Well, the left will tell you it is. Who was in charge when we had the problem over there in the Middle East the last time, which which escalated, when ISIS came into power. Who was in power in our government? Barack Obama was president. Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. Antony Blinken, our current Secretary of State, was one of Hillary's underlings, as was Jake Sullivan, who is now our National Security Advisor. 
who was the director, the head of CENTCOM, that's our military, and it was a blanket for every part of the military, U.S. military that was operating in the Middle East, Northern Africa, who was in charge of that? Our Secretary of Defense. All of these are players. This is not their first ball game. In fact, it's their second or third. The Benghazi crap that happened? You know, when those four Americans were down there in Benghazi, they were trying to defend themselves, not do anything but keep from dying. And there was a group of special ops military members that were in an airplane heading for Benghazi to parachute into our consulate there to save these people. And they were called off. Who called them off? The head of CENTCOM. Who was the head of CENTCOM? Our current Secretary of the Defense, Lloyd Austin. Who was the one advising Hillary Clinton on all of the Benghazi stuff? Jake Sullivan and Antony Blinken. And oh, by the way, what this all began with, you remember why we were doing all of this, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and Joe Biden made it clear we needed to help those Syrian rebels that had risen up to push back on the president of Syria's plans and what he had done in a couple of instances, gassing his own people, Basra Assad. We got to stop that. That's genocide. We can't let that happen. We've got to arm those Syrian rebels and give them whatever they need to go after this guy. We don't want to go over there and take him on. But from inside the nation, we need to support those rebels that are trying to do it on their own and they don't have the firepower. So what did Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, Vice President Joe Biden, Barack Obama do? They started arming those rebels with the latest, most sophisticated ground-to-air weapons that they possibly could give to them. And guess who those rebels were? ISIS. Didn't have the name yet, but they had plenty of firepower, and they had all of the hate that they had had for anybody that wasn't part of their political and religious ilk. They were pretty thankful to Hillary and Barack and Joe. And all of these players are back in the decision-making positions that are necessary to keep the United States of America and our allies safe. And what do we find out this morning? Joe Biden's up there ordering drone strikes in a country that it doesn't take much to light the fire of anger and hatred and for them to do stupid things. Iran, of all countries, and you have <laughs> the most spineless people that have ever been in military leadership running our, our intelligence and military. Oh, my gosh. This is just absolute insanity. This is the definition of it. Somebody needs to tell Joe Biden, if you're out there, if you're listening, we have a big audience right now, by the way. I think many of you came because of Judy Mikovits, the pandemic thing that we played. And by the way, you can get that. It's easy to do. You can download the show at any one of your 
podcast sites. There are about 27 of them that carry the podcast TNN Live now. Or when the show is over, you can go to truthnewsnet.org. Ten minutes or so after the show finishes, you can get today's show in its entirety. You'll see it at the top of the page. It has the day and date of each show, and you can listen to it again there or download it free of charge. Feel free to do it, but anybody and everybody needs to hear exactly how we went through the transition. Now, that that audio you heard, Plandemic, I think it was recorded just before the Biden administration began. So that would have been in late 2020 or early 2021. He took office in January of 2021. Biden did. So it's sometime there. What's happened between then and now? It just got worse. And things are getting worse. We didn't have a major military skirmish in the making with anybody during the four years of the Trump administration. Why is that? Why is that? Oh, and by the way, a lot of foreign leaders made fun of Donald Trump when he was president. You know, how loose he was, how verbose he was. He would say all kinds of things. But every one of them were intimidated by him. But you know why? Because they knew, based upon his past, not the military, but based upon his past at being a big-time corporation founder and operator, in most of those cases, very, very successful. They knew they were up against a real leader. And he showed them very early on in a couple of different places. Hey, we're going to make you do the right things. We're going to do the right things. The United States is, but we're going to make you do the right thing. You remember what happened in NATO? Oh, the first trip to NATO. Everybody was laughing at Donald Trump. They they would get in a little group, those leaders of those NATO countries, and they would make fun of him. And, of course, our media was right there. But then guess what happened? All of a sudden, he pushed the button on NATO nations and demanded that they all pay in what they're supposed to pay for the universal group support of making sure Nobody went after any NATO nation militarily. I never knew that they weren't paying in, that pretty much the only country that ever was was the good old U.S. of A. And they all started paying in. Made a huge difference. And that was just one example. Vladimir Putin, he didn't try anything when Trump was the president. Xi Jinping, he didn't try anything when Trump was president. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just accidental? And oh, by the way, why now are all of these idiots, these lunatics in leadership in some of these foreign countries, why are they all of a sudden doing things? You think it might have something to do with the fact that Donald Trump's not president anymore, but Joe Biden is? Just saying. Just saying. Let's get back to business in Congress. There's a lot going on there, much going on. We have these congressional hearings that are very, very important. And if you don't listen to any of them, if you're working or you're in a position where you can't watch some of them live, I challenge you every night, go to YouTube and you can go back and look and 
on the right side of your screen, it'll have, if you, if you just put in your search up there, congressional hearings, a bunch of them will come up and you'll see, and there are some pretty important hearings that everybody needs to listen to. And because of that, one of my favorite lawmakers in Congress is from Texas. Never knew about him, never heard of him until the election, the previous election. His name is Chip Roy. Yesterday, he had a soul-searching conversation with our director of OMB, Office of Management and Budget. Uh, I would note we've already acknowledged that uh, 19.6% overall percent of GDP revenue to the Treasury, which would put it at historic highs. So I assume the director would agree that that's a, that's a relatively high historic percentage of revenue to the Treasury. Yeah, we, we are trying. We would be in line with where we were in the mid-90s. But nevertheless, those are very high levels as a relative basis of percentage of GDP. But we're also acknowledging that we're increasing spending next year to $6.8 trillion, $500 billion more than FY23. $82 trillion over 10 years. $82 trillion of spending over 10 years. But we're trying to praise a $3 trillion so-called reduction in the deficit, despite the fact we're spending $82 trillion. Here's where I want to kind of go. What are the priorities of this administration when I look at what I see in the budget? Here's some of the spending items that are brought to my attention. $3.9 billion for the Department of Homeland Security Climate Resilience Program. $3.9 billion because the administration cares about a climate crisis more than the crisis at our border. $109 million going to Mexico. Mexico for law enforcement and military, military support. This despite the fact that our border is overrun and Mexico has lost complete control along our southern border. $3.5 billion for the FBI's new headquarters. $3.5 billion for the FBI to have a brand new headquarters in Maryland. $1.8 billion more for the Internal Revenue Service on top of the $80 billion that was given to the IRS last year. $1.6 billion for the United Nations Green Climate Fund, which includes $100 million to go to China. China for greening its economy. $108 million for the World Health Organization, which conspired and colluded with the CCP to cover up COVID and parroted the CCP propaganda. I've been combing over the budget to find any reductions in outlays or cuts in this administration's budget. There are precious few. Where I could find a couple of actual reductions was, for example, in reductions to Border Patrol, reductions to ICE, actual cuts to the spending for those particular programs, but that is supposedly offset by $4.7 billion for a new Southwest Border Contingency Fund to respond to migrant surges. But here's the thing. Those are restricted, according to the language that I see, eligible uses for the funds include soft-sided facilities, transportation detention beds, alternative detention, and shelter and services programs to organizations caring for non-citizen adults. In other words, that is additional money for more processing with cuts and reductions to the actual enforcement of the law. Those are the priorities of this administration. So one thing that I would like to have at the end of this is I would like for the uh, OMB to produce for us a list of specific reductions and outlays throughout the president's budget. Because I'm coming over them and I'm finding precious little reduction in outlays, but the only outlay I could find that was serious reductions were to DHS's Border Patrol and ICE. I would also note that there was $114.7 million for diversity and inclusion activities at the Department of Defense. $114 million for diversity and inclusion activities. 
The Air Force Academy curriculum that recommended cadets avoided gendered language like mom and dad. A United States Marine Corps report that was studying whether we should use sir and ma'am for our drill instructors. A memo from the Department of Defense Secretary Austin recognizing transgender and gender non-conforming persons. The Naval Academy Admiral that told midshipmen to read How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram Kendi. $91,000 for diversity and inclusion seminars for the Air Force Band. $180,000 salary for a senior diversity official at the Air Force, which is more than a member of Congress gets paid. And how about Kalissa Wing, who serves as the Department of Defense Education Activities Diversity Chief? 2020 tweet, I'm so exhausted at these white folks in these PD professional development sessions, this lady actually had the caudacity to say black people can be racist too. I had to stop the session and give Karen the business. We are not the majority, we don't have the power. Are these the priorities of the current administration to fund the kinds of offices that hire individuals that use this kind of divisive racist language? Is that the priorities of this, this president's budget? And you have criticized our plan, some conservatives in Congress plan to shrink Washington and grow America. The House Freedom Caucus plan wouldn't reduce the deficit by one penny. Which is it? All I've heard today from my Democratic colleagues is all the horrifying cuts that are going to occur. Which is it? Because you're going to say that we're not going to reduce the deficit when you say that we're going to stop a student loan bailout of $400 billion? You're telling me that wouldn't reduce the FY 2023 deficit to eliminate a $400 billion bailout of student loans. That it wouldn't reduce the deficit if we were to reclaim $91 billion of unspent COVID money or $80 billion from the IRS expansion or $78 billion from the so-called Inflation Reduction Act's unspent climate funds or $270 billion from the Inflation Reduction Act's so-called energy subsidies or getting Americans back to work under SNAP or Medicaid. All of this that we proposed in the House Freedom Caucus budget would save $4.82 trillion over 10 years. The, gen the gentleman's time has expired. I yield back. And Mr. Chair, since there was obviously a, a lot there uh, for the last three or four minutes, I, I would ask the indulgence if the OMB director could actually respond to some of that if she wishes. Uh, I would ask uh, that I think that would be appropriate. Yes, we'll give just a few seconds to do what you can on that, Director Young. Just a few seconds. There are spending cuts you have outlined that we've talked a lot about here today. However, if you continue the tax cuts, which has also been a stated policy goal of those making over 400,000 and skewed to the wealthy, you use all of those savings for extending those tax cuts. That is where the analysis came from. So and, where, and where in the Freedom Caucus proposal that was put out publicly was there any mention of the tax cuts? Putting aside the debate over tax cuts, which is a meritorious debate, but there was no mention of that. So how can then the gentlelady say, oh, this is... Uh, uh, time, time has expired well, on this. Time was extended. The question was laid out, and the allegation was made there was about taxes, which is Certainly not... Certainly, I appreciate the, uh, the vigor of the conversation with that. <laughs> the vigor of the conversation. You heard at the very end of it, you heard all those facts and numbers. The director of the OMB... They're the people that put the budget together and they make sure that all of the money that comes into the government is spent, plus a whole lot more. Congressman Chip Roy asking her, what the heck are you doing? You talk about cuts. There are no cuts in it other than the cuts to the divisions, the only divisions in our government 
that are out there to enforce the laws. Everything else is being spent on social ideology. There's nothing substantive in it. You know the story we had before this one, right before this one, I asked you, you think there's any significance in the fact that all this stuff is going on because of who's in the White House and it's not happened under the previous president? Do you think that what you just heard is kind of part of the disease of sociality that this administration has locked into rather than things of substance? We're teaching how to combat white racism? People understand, at least most people understand, maybe they won't admit it, but there's always been racism. There will always be racism. People are different. Unfortunately, every human being on the planet doesn't look at the differences and say, I'm going to ignore them and honestly treat other people, people that are different from me, the exact same way. Human beings, when they get together with other human beings, they make their own social rules. Maybe you disagree with some of them. I disagree with some of them, but you know what? Just because I don't agree with somebody doesn't mean I mark them and damn them to hell. One of the toughest things when you put a big group of people together, one of the toughest things is to deal with differences sufficiently so that you can operate. Whatever the entity is, a company, a social group, a church, an athletic team and program, whatever it is, you got to find a way to make people understand sometimes when you get to an agreement point, you're simply going to agree that you will never get in a place where you can do everything and accept what the other person is doing. But what you can do is say, we're going to move forward. We're just going to agree to disagree. And we're going to move forward and you're going to do what you're supposed to do and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And we're going to let the chips fall where they may. But we're not going to spout hatred, bitterness, and anger. We're not going to damn anybody to hell. We're just going to be adults. We're going to be Americans and understand our differences are just that, our differences. And we're going to get along. How about that? I've told you the story in our company. I hired a law firm years ago to create our employee manual to make sure we dotted every I and crossed every T, got all the legalities in there. And I demanded the full authority. It's my company. I want to write one section. And it was a section on conflict resolution. If you didn't get along with somebody else in the company, don't you dare start talking to everybody else in the company about it. You get one-on-one with the person that you have the disagreement with behind closed doors. And we had plenty of places that they could go and close a door and sit in there and talk. You work it out. And maybe the conversation happens and you get to the end of it and you agree, the two of you, that you're not going to agree. Well, the disagreement is still there. If you couldn't work it out one-on-one, 
you are to go get your immediate supervisor and bring that supervisor into that closed door session and let the supervisor interact both ways with each person. If at the end of that, you can't reach an agreement, the supervisor goes and gets the manager of the department. That manager and those two people go into that room and they get it worked out. The final level in the company was the person above the manager. That had to be me. If I went into the conversation and these had not been able to work it out one-on-one with themselves, with each other, and then couldn't work it out with the supervisor, and then couldn't work it out with the manager, it was pretty certain that at least one of the two people was not going to be employed at the end of that day. Only twice in 20 years did somebody get canned. What does that prove, Dan? It proves that we can have differences. We can get along with with each other even if we don't agree with each other. And it's pretty important in this society, in our lives today in the United States of America, with everything that's being shoved down our throats, it's pretty important that we get on the same page and stay on the same page with as many people as we possibly can that are in our circles. Why? Doggone it, if you don't, you're going to go stark raving crazy. There's no need to do that. Let's just get along with each other. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids have bought me a busted machine again. On desert! That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra. What is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Anita, what them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Compare it to smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh, jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? 
The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one only. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. In the four-year life of TNN Live and the commercials on our shows, I actually have people all the time that are sending me a text or an email saying, can you send me that Amazon Echo commercial? It's one of the funniest commercials I've ever heard. A comedian, and I can't remember his name. He's a pro. I mean, a consummate pro. Well, let's get back to business. We got... Gosh, we don't even have, we've used up all but 26, 24 minutes. Wow. I want to get to this particular thing where you're talking about the congressional hearings that are going on. Very important back and forth happening between not just Republicans and Biden people in the Biden administration, but Democrats as well. As you can imagine, any of the Democrat people that are in the Biden administration that are testifying before these committees, when they're testifying to their Democrat representatives in these committees, they get pretty much all softballs. Not the case when Republicans get in the conversation, and one that is known for being an amazing questioner in hearings of all kinds, somebody that has argued multiple cases before the United States Supreme Court, Texas Senator Ted Cruz. And yesterday, Ted took on Joe Biden's lawyer. Uh, Ms. Clark, when, when you testified before this committee and when Attorney General Garland testified before this committee, you both promised to be nonpartisan and impartial. I'm sorry to say that I think neither of you have lived up to that promise. Within weeks of President Biden being sworn in, the Department of Justice dismissed a civil rights division lawsuit it had against Yale University for explicit racial discrimination. Yale has a policy that discriminates against Asians Americans in admissions. It does so brazenly and openly. And yet the Department of Justice decided that preventing racial discrimination did not fit within the purview of the Biden DOJ. Now, in your defense, you were not yet there, neither was Merrick Garland. So that was merely the initial political operatives of the Biden administration doing what they believed was consistent with the preferences of the president. But just this week, after you were there, after Merrick Garland was there, the Department of Justice issued a mem memorandum to the FBI instructing them to mobilize against parents across the country, parents of school kids, who have the temerity to show up at school boards and express their opposition to the teaching of critical race theory, a pernicious theory that divides us on racial lines, that tells school children the lie that America is fundamentally racist, that America is irredeemably racist, that all white people are racist. It spreads racial division. Many parents are understandably 
quite dismayed at schools that are teaching this to their children, sometimes as young as five. And yet the Department of Justice looked at that issue and decided to label the parents objecting to this teaching as domestic terrorists. Did you participate in discussions about the memo before it was issued? Um, Senator, I can't talk about internal deliberations. You can't uh, talk about whether you, you participated in discussions about the memo? No, but what I can tell you is that the Civil Rights Division will play a role going forward. The Attorney General has uh, uh, asked the department to undertake a review, and the division will participate in that review to determine how federal enforcement tools can be used to prosecute uh, crimes. Do, do, um, do you believe parents objecting to the teaching of critical race theory have civil rights in the democratic process? Uh, I, I don't. I don't follow the question, Senator. You don't understand the question whether parents objecting to critical race theory have civil rights. The the First Amendment is a core value in our democracy, and I didn't um, say free speech. I said civil rights. School board meetings are democratic. That they are petitioning your local government. Do they have civil rights that the voting rights gives a damn about? Yet they have the right to express their view, to uh, challenge uh, the school boards, to ask. And, and is it reforms. beneficial for the attorney general to label them as d domestic terrorists and direct the FBI to target them? The attorney general's memo deals with threats against public servants and says that threats against public servants are not only illegal, they run counter to our nation's core values. Do you believe parents objecting at school boards are domestic terrorists? I don't, Senator. Do you believe Antifa are domestic terrorists? Um, I, I, I don't have a view about Antifa. Or Do you believe the Black Lives Matter protesters who burned shops, who firebombed police cars, who murdered police officers, do you believe they're domestic terrorists? Um, Senator, I believe that we live in a society where people espouse different views, but what we don't want are threats. You know, Ms. Clark, it is amazing that you're not willing to condemn people who are murdering police officers and firebombing cities because your politics aligns with them. But at the same time, when it comes to parents at school boards, you're perfectly comfortable with calling a mom at a PTA meeting a domestic terrorist. Ms. Clark, with all due respect, this demonstrates why the Democrat proposal to take someone with as long a partisan record as you have and to put you in charge of striking down any voting rights law in the country that you disagree with is nothing but a partisan power grab. Let me, let me give another example, because your division has operated in a purely partisan way. Uh, the Department of Justice dismissed the civil rights lawsuits against the state of New York, the state of Pennsylvania, the state of Michigan for those governor's policies that sent COVID-positive patients into nursing homes Forces, forced the nursing homes to take those patients, a decision, a political decision that resulted in tens of thousands of deaths. One of those governors, Andrew Cuomo, has now resigned in disgrace, and his staff had admitted they lied under reporting the deaths that policy caused. And yet your division dismissed the lawsuit against those Democratic governors. How are, are we to see that as anything other than a purely partisan decision? The, the letters that uh, were issued to officials in the uh, matters that you referenced were put together by career officials inside the department. Career officials can't be partisan? 
this department carries out its work free from political Are, are you testified to this committee that there are no career officials in the Department of Justice who are partisan? Uh, partisanship does not impact the way that we carry out our Except enforcement Except miraculously, work. you dismiss the lawsuits against Democratic governors, even when their policies may have caused the deaths of tens of thousands of people. You also dismissed a lawsuit uh, that was brought against a medical center that had a pattern of discriminating against health care providers that, for conscience reasons, didn't want to implement abortions, even though clear federal law protects their civil rights. Why did you dismiss that civil rights lawsuit in, in contravention of federal law? Um, General Garland has made clear, and uh, I agree, that partisanship has no place in the enforcement Except for every decision you make Justice is partisan. Department. Your actions contradict those statements. Actions speak louder than words. I, I, I got to be honest with you. When you listen to what you just heard, this is the number one person below Attorney General Merrick Garland in the Department of Justice. You listen to her pushback, no facts, no truth, no response whatsoever that has anything to do with substance, refusing to talk about certain things there. You know what's going on? What we are listening to, what you've listened to today, is an actual picture of the facts that people that work in this administration for Joe Biden, they work for Joe Biden. They work for Joe Biden. They do not work for we the people. Think about that for a second. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Think about that. We were promised by our forefathers, even before they penned the Constitution and got it all put together, that they were creating a government that would be by the people, of the people, and for the people. That was something that was the fundamental that had to happen. All of these people came over here, most every one of them came over here from Northern Europe, where who controlled all the governments? There were various countries, but who controlled them all? It was either one person or a very small group of people that had unilateral authority that answered to nobody. They did not answer to the people. They were not elected. They were born into a family that the family for generations had been the ones that did all of the governing. So this United States of America was to be the antithesis to that whole process. They wanted to create an environment where the government, whoever was in the government, answered to we the people. You just heard that explanation. It went out the door with her. She has no cognizant idea whatsoever that the gentleman she was answering questions for, or talking to at least, is a representative of we the people that was elected to be that representative. She wasn't, and there's the big difference. All of these bureaucrats that are testifying, not one of them was chosen by the people in a state or people in a congressional district 
to represent them. They are employees and employees of not Joe Biden, not Merrick Garland, not General Lloyd Austin. They work for the United States of America. And that means they work for us. They work for us. But here's the conundrum. They don't answer to us. And they're bold in throwing that out there. You heard her say it. We, 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 Merrick Garland says we're not going to have political bias in any of our decisions. And everyone that he brought up in questioning, that's exactly what happened. Political bias, not by the people, but by the government. That, my friends, is the epitome of the proof that we are going down a road that does not end well if we continue there. So let's switch gears for the last 15 minutes of the show. We have an election coming up. Oh my gosh, Dan, we just finished one. We got another one coming up in 2024. This one's the biggie. Not only does it include election of a bunch of U.S. senators and every one of the members of the U.S. House of Representatives, this time it includes a presidential race. Well, if you're in the Biden administration, it's automatic. Joe Biden's going to be reelected. He'll have four more years, and then another Democrat will step up to the table and pick up the reins and just move forward. But there are some folks out there that they don't quite agree with that. Declared Republican candidates, at least for the primaries, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. You've got Donald Trump former President Trump, and you have the Rasmus guy that I still can't get his name right. They're running on the Republican side, and there's another one that's out there making some noises, testing the water, and that would be Florida's governor who's a great leader in his own right. He has worked miracles since he was elected in in Florida to lead that state, and he's led it into a governing lifestyle that is right down the line about what we're talking about. Not big government, not bigger government, but a government where the people have a voice. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Now, he has been going and meeting with people, just kind of keeping it out there. He hadn't declared, looks like he's going to, well, I don't think he is, keeping us on edge picking a time when he thinks it would be the perfect time to either announce or announce that he's not going to run. But there's a little fly in the DeSantis election presidential possible campaign. And it has to do with former President Trump. And it has to do with the possibility of former President Trump being arrested in New York. So what are you talking about, Dan? Well, it's putting Ron DeSantis in a precarious position. Trump's recent prediction that he would be arrested on Tuesday of this week was also followed by Trump calling on all of his supporters to protest on his behalf over the potential indictment. And this call by the former president has led to a tense situation 
in the Republican presidential primary over the weekend with many declared and prospective candidates defending Trump and stating that the investigation and any potential charges were politically motivated. So on Monday, Governor DeSantis spoke about the possibility of an indictment after being quiet about the case for a couple of days. His original silence has led him to facing criticism from some of Trump's allies who claimed that the governor's silence had shown disloyalty. I don't think DeSantis ever thought he was going to have to deal with this as he contemplated, pondered running for president. During a news conference, he had asked about possible charges, stating that so far he had seen a lot of rumors but no facts in the case and that they did not yet know what would happen. He continued and said that what he did know was that, quote, the Manhattan District Attorney is a Soros-funded prosecutor and that Soros-funded prosecutors weaponize their office to impose a political agenda on the society in which they live and work. The governor's remarks further show the precarious position that he is in as he gets closer to whether or not he's going to run in 2024. In his commentary, he didn't mention Trump directly and instead focused his criticisms of Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, whose office is leading this investigation and will decide whether criminal charges will be filed against Trump. You know, when, you, when you're at a national level in politics, you got to think all the possibilities. you got to examine them all. DeSantis never thought about this. And I guess it's spooking him, as it is a lot of people, to watch Trump's ratings in polls just going through the roof. And it went, or it started going through the roof at the very beginning of this conversation about his possible pending indictment. Isn't that interesting? We're going to keep our eyes on that. We'll let you know what happens there. Meanwhile, Republican Virginia Rep. Bob Good is introducing today, as a matter of fact, a Congressional Review Act resolution that's going to hopefully roll back the Biden administration's student loan forgiveness scheme. You remember back in August last year, Biden announced the Department of Education would permanently forgive up to 10 grand in student loans for those making up to $125,000 a year, up to $20,000 for those who receive Pell Grants. The Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, is currently hearing a challenge to that scheme, although some legal experts have suggested the plaintiffs don't have standing to challenge it. Under the Congressional Review Act, Congress may pass resolutions of disapproval to block Biden's executive orders, although the resolutions are subject to presidential veto. Congress has already passed one resolution under the act targeting the Labor Department's environmental, social, and governance investing rule. That's that ESG thing that is getting blasted by conservatives across the nation. And that, when it was passed, was vetoed by Biden. 
Three Republican senators introduced a companion resolution to Goods on March 17th. Let me read you. It's a two-page thing. I'm trying to decide. Do I need to read the whole thing? It's a joint resolution. Uh, Let me go ahead and read it to you. Resolved by the Senate and the House of Representatives of the U.S., and I'm paraphrasing that, that Congress disapproves the rules submitted by the Department of Education relating to waivers and modifications of federal student loans, including the website announcement entitled One-Time Federal Student Loan Debt Relief and the Federal Register document entitled Federal Student Aid Programs, Federal Perkins Loan Program, Federal Family Education Loan Program, yada, yada, yada. And they all have numbers. Okay, I'm reading down to get past it. Okay, Federal Student Aid Programs, basically what it's doing, it's reinstating all of these things if it passes and if Biden doesn't veto it as well. So my question is, why should we have to go to this extent? Everybody knows why Joe Biden put it out there. He put it out there right before the election campaign to come out. He was trying to give Democrats some kind of new weapon they could use in the campaign against their GOP opponents in the 2020 election. But then, you know, when they get power, it looks like, oh, it's going to pass and all this money is going to come out of the pockets of people that didn't go to college, instead opted to go into the workforce. And Joe Biden wants them to pay for somebody else's loans, somebody that in many cases shouldn't have gone to college, but decided to go anyway and borrowed a bunch of money. Or, even worse, people that went to college, borrowed money to go to college, and have paid it back. Wow, what a novel idea. Paying back a loan. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. On that note, we're going to leave Friday for you, and we're going to push forward with our weekend. You are, too. Do not forget a summary of all the big stories of the week published every Saturday morning at truthnewsnet.org. Catch it. It's called Bullet Points. You guys have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday right here at 9 a.m. sharp. Hosanna, Hosanna. All of my heart is crying. Hosanna, Hosanna. He's coming back soon. We need him more than ever. All of my heart is crying, Hosanna. He's raising up a standard. Hosanna, Hosanna. We need to wake up, acknowledge his presence when he comes in.